Top of the Tuesday to you here on an EP podcast, episode six. Welcome on in. I know I'm ridiculous, but hey, it's fun. It's better. It's, it's better than being born. So hey, it's Tuesday. Welcome to the podcast. It is Tuesday. Excited to have you, and it's a top ten Tuesday here on the EP podcast. I Meaning, I've got ten topics to throw your way today. Mostly sports, some randos in there as well, though. And uh, I break out the brand new state-of-the-art, no expenses spared prize wheel. I've put the 10 topics on the prize wheel, we'll spin it, and we'll figure it out. Now, actually, to, to be fair, I've put 8 of the 10 topics on the wheel, because each week, topic 5 is always going to be a random, a non-sports item, and I'm always going to start with the topic, first topic of the day, the biggest topic. So those aren't on the wheel. But 2, 3, 4, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, they're all on there. So we'll get those. We'll, we'll have some fun today as well. My thanks again for Military Monday's first guest uh, yesterday, Kyle Fox of followtheflag.org. Already lining me up with some great guests in the future for Military Monday. Paul Leffler, he's the play-by-play voice of Fresno State Athletics. But also, he hosts one of my absolute favorite podcasts. I listen to it at least three times a week. Uh, whenever I go on a trip, that's all I listen to is on a road trip is, is his podcast called Hometown Heroes Radio. Uh, he, he interviews veterans, mostly from World War II. He has started to uh, have other guests from uh, other veterans from other wars as well on his episode as our World War II vets are slowly becoming uh, few and far between still among us. So Paul Leffler will be on in the future. And Jenny Taylor, uh, widow of Major Brent Taylor, who Kyle and I spoke about yesterday on the podcast. She'll be joining me in the near future as well. She's also the secretary aide to the Army now. So excited. If you have a veteran or military person or family member that you would like to nominate to be interviewed on Military Monday, please send me an email my email is austin.horton at 1280thezone.com. austin.horton at 1280thezone.com. Would love to fill up my, uh, my date book with, uh, for the rest of the year with Military Monday guests. So go ahead and hit me up that way. All right, without further ado, let's jump into a Top 10 Tuesday. Again, we got the topics on the wheel except for Topic 1 and Topic 5. Topic 1, it's, the, it's still the biggest story here in Salt Lake City. And among the NBA, it's one of the top things that we're talking about right now. Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell. We touched on it yesterday. Of course, last week, The Athletic with Sam Amick, who's on the big show every Thursday for the NBA Daily Assist. Sham Sharania and local guy Tony Jones, they collaborated on a piece about the now past a month ago night in Oklahoma City when the NBA came to a halt after Donovan Mitchell, or excuse me, Rudy Gobert, tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, and, and so that, that's, and they they drew or, or put some light onto the situation there that otherwise hadn't been seen, that the Utah Jazz were way ahead of this thing. And you can check out last week's podcast I did about that, commending the Jazz for being ahead of it. But in that piece, they, there was a quote from an anonymous source that said Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, their relationship is beyond salvageable. Rudy Gobert replied with Taylor Rooks of Bleach Report to that and said, no, it's not unsalvageable. He and Donovan have spoken, and they can and will and are getting past this, and they're going to focus on what it takes to win basketball games. Great news. Well, since then, 
Chris Mannix, who's on the big show every Monday from Sports Illustrated for the NBA Daily Assist, he had some thoughts on the matter, as well as ESPN's Stephen A. Smith. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a huge Stephen A. Smith fan in this regard. Uh, he's a little over the top in his delivery, and I don't mean his style. I mean how loud he is and how angry he is all the time. And I'm a little bit that way when I get – I'm passionate about what I'm talking about. But I do recognize and uh, appreciate the incredible hard work that Stephen A. Smith puts into his shows and into his opinions, and I do think he's well tapped into the NBA world. And so I thought it would be nice or rather uh, worth to play his comments to you about how he feels this is up up now to Donovan Mitchell and that there is not anything really to worry about. It's going to be fine. And I just thought I'd play that for you here to start. If there is still any kind of rift, it's likely because Donovan Mitchell and others inside that locker room expressed, pro, uh, you know, previously to Rudy Gobert, yo, man, we not playing. This is serious. Stop, stop playing around. And he kept playing around and was dismissive of their feelings leading up to Donovan Mitchell contracting the coronavirus. That might be the issue. Um, outside of that, I can't imagine any circumstances under which Donovan Mitchell would still hold a beef with Rudy Gobert. He's a real good brother. And in fairness to Rudy Gobert, again, when he when he made the mistake, we all got on him because it was immature and it was insensitive. And we all mm-hmm. know that. But since that time, he has a, a, a embraced the level of seriousness that it deserves. Um, and he has done all he could uh, to make amends for it. And, and if we're decent human beings, just accept that and move forward. There you go. That's Stephen A. Smith's thoughts on the matter. Uh, he's absolutely right. This is two grown men who need to figure out a way to get this figured out, and they are doing so, and it'll all work out if they want it to, and it seems like it's going to. Now from Stephen A. to Chris Mannix, who shared sen- similar sentiments about the matter on the big show on Monday. Uh, in fact, I want to play a few bites from Chris Mannix's visit. Mannix's? The, vi- the Chris Mannix visit, maybe I should call that, on Monday's edition of The Big Show. Uh, start right here with uh, Chris Mannix talking about how Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, they're going to be just fine. No, I, I think it can be worked out. Um, I know there was some reporting out there that it was beyond salvageable. I, I don't really buy that, that at all. I mean, I just, it's way too early to make that kind of, of proclamation on all this. Um you know, I, I was one of the first to report that that Mitchell was was furious with Gobert, and and that you know I think in my story back in March, I think I wrote that you know how Mitchell responds to this would make or break their relationship. But I don't think we're at that point where we can draw any conclusions as to how Donovan Mitchell responds. I mean, we are still you know just past the first month of all this. These guys haven't gotten together as a team and communicated. They haven't gotten back to playing and and done all that. I mean, there's. There's just too much time that can go by, too much can change in that period of time. Moreover, um, you know, Mitchell's in that position where, I mean, he's not going to be going anywhere. I mean, he's going to get a max contract offer. And in the history of, of rookie contracts, there hasn't been a single player that's ever rejected a max contract offer. So he's going to be around. And I think it would have to take something catastrophic happening next year on the floor for this team to pull the plug and ultimately trade Rudy Gobert. I mean, it would – I just can't see it. I can't envision that scenario. Um, it's not to say that they're destined to win a championship together, but I, I just don't see 
you know, the, the Jazz giving up on this, especially when you consider the combined age of those two and, and just the level they play at. So I'm optimistic that this is going to be something that can be figured out. I thought Jake Scott then asked a really interesting question of Chris Mannix. How does he, though he feels, if Mannix feels that the relationship is going to be fine, how does he feel their on-the-court chemistry is working or not from a basketball standpoint? How does Rudy's game complement or vice versa Donovan Mitchell's game on the floor? I, I don't think that they're the perfect match offensively. I mean, because I think Gobert is still fairly limited in that regard. But, you know, when you have – the game is played on both ends of the floor. I mean, when you have a guy that is as dominant defensively as Gobert, I mean, you don't need him to be uh, – in lockstep with Donovan Mitchell on the offensive end of the floor. He's needed to do what he does defensively, you know, chip in on the offensive glass, post-ups, you know, setting screens, things like that, um, and, and you'll get by. So, I, you know, I think they're they're very well matched to be cornerstone players for that team for years to come. I mean, when you, when you look at that team, I mean, I, I've never had a, a feeling that, you know, Gobert and Mitchell were any were part of the problem or like their, their ability to do things together – we're part of the problem. I mean, I, I think it's more about you got to add shooting around them, maybe a little more playmaking around them. We talked a lot during the season about Mike Conley and his evolution with that team. I think they're they're what's right with the Jazz, and and everything else I think just needs to be added onto it. And then this answer was telling as well from a national uh, pundit standpoint. What will it take to get Rudy and Donovan uh, a Rudy and Donovan centric Jazz team? to the point of legitimate actual championship contention. Here was Chris's answer. Yeah, I mean, I think Mitchell is uh, – he just has that those qualities that he can be a, a superstar in this league. I think Gobert, at this stage of his career, you're kind of seeing what his peak is. Um, and it's still really good. It's all-star level. I just don't know if he's going to get – significantly better if you can get four more good years like this out of rudy gobert you've got to be really happy uh with what you have which does put a emphasis on making sure that whether it's through the draft or cherry picking the right guys in free agency you you make the right choice you add the right pieces i mean i use the example of the spurs all the time i mean you know they were able to become the spurs you know by drafting tony parker a future uh, superstar late in the first round, drafting Manu Ginobili late in the second round. I mean, they, they got lucky with Tim Duncan, no question, and Kawhi Leonard was one of the middle-of-the-pack first-round picks. But, you know, in between, they, they became what they became by, by finding the right guys to work around them. So I think that's what's going to be paramount for the Jazz moving forward. You've got two guys that, you know, maybe aren't going to be looked at as the best duo in the NBA, but if you put the right pieces around them, you're going to be successful. So there you go. That's topic one here on a top 10 Tuesday on the EP podcast. Uh, make sure you uh, tune in each and every day to the big show for the NBA Daily Assist. You hear that and, and other great uh, insight from NBA sources. All right, let's spin the wheel. Topics two, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10, all still on the wheel. Let's see what we get. A very sobering story here uh, as topic number two of the day. The Minnesota Timberwolves big man Carl Anthony Towns' mother Jacqueline, affectionately known as Jackie, ha- uh, died after a lengthy battle with coronavirus on Monday. Uh, a family spokesperson said in a statement she was a young, spry 58 years old. This, uh, the, From the statement it says, Jackie, as she was affectionately known among family and friends, had been battling the virus for more than a month 
when she succumbed on April 13th. Jackie was many things to many people, a wife, a mother, a daughter, grandmother, sister, aunt, and, aunt and friend, the matriarch of the town's family. She was an incredible source of strength, a fiery, caring, and extremely loving person who touched everyone she met. Her passion was palpable, and her energy will never be replaced. The town's family is extremely grateful for the outpouring of love and support they have received during this very difficult time. Close quote. Oh, man. Uh, it's heartbreaking. Just, just life is simply way too short, ends out of nowhere, and is never, ever, ever fair in how it does or how it happens. Uh, and my heart goes out to Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, he's an incredible basketball player. He's a young man, and, and he deserves to have his mother around for 30, 40, 50 more years. And, and sadly, she's been taken from amongst us. And my heart and prayers go out to, to he and his family for sure. Jackie Cruz, Carl Anthony Towns' mother, passes away at the age of 58 from complications due to coronavirus. All right, let's spin the wheel. Get another topic here on a Top 10 Tuesday. NFL mock drafts continue to roll out. Thought I'd give you one of my favorites, uh, Tom, Forne- Tom Fornelli of CBSSports.com. He always has an interesting mock draft and thoughts to say, uh, thoughts to share about the, the draft. And I thought I'd share with you where he thinks some of the Utah guys are going, the local guys, Utah, Utah State, BYU, Weber State, and on, and so forth. His first local pick off the board is he's got Jordan Love, of Utah State going to the L.A. Chargers as the uh, first round's 22nd pick. Now, by a quick glance, he would then be the fourth quarterback taken in the NFL draft, according to Tom Fornelli's mock draft. Nope, yeah, fourth. He's got the top three picks going Joe Burrow, one to the Bengals, Justin Herbert, two to the Dolphins, and uh, Tua Tagovailoa, three to the Jaguars. So uh, there you go. That Jordan Love would be fourth amongst quarterbacks taken in the NFL draft, going 22nd overall to the L.A. Chargers. And then he's got Utah cornerback Jalen Johnson going three picks later, 25th overall in the first round, to the Minnesota Vikings. Interesting landing spots for those guys, if that happens to be the case. For the, for Jordan Love and the Chargers, of course, the Chargers resetting at quarterback there in L.A. after Phillip Rivers uh, departed for the Indianapolis Colts. The Chargers have said they're full on board with Tyrod Taylor to be their day one starter this coming NFL season. Jordan Love would have a chance to find his way uh, into, into the NFL there. I don't hate that spot for Jordan Love. A nice place to be, uh, a team that... He can kind of fly under the radar a little bit as he develops behind Tyrod Taylor. The fear for for me for Jordan Love going there would be if Tyrod Taylor doesn't work out or gets hurt, I think Easton Stick is the backup. Jordan Love, I think, is better than Easton Stick, and Jordan Love would be thrown into the fire. That could be good. That could be bad. But overall, I don't hate the idea of Jordan Love being on the L.A. Chargers. As for Jalen Johnson and the Minnesota Vikings, I think Jalen would have a chance to start probably by mid-year, as the Vikings have had some moves and some uh, some uh, uh, adjustments on defense. And that, that's a good defense. That's a good defensive-minded coach there in Minnesota with Mike Zimmer. And I think that would be a good spot for Jalen Johnson. I think that would be a win for he and his family. I think that would be a good place for him to go. So a couple locals there in the first round, according to Tom Fornelli of CBSSports.com. All right, spin the wheel. 
All right, going to the Olympics now for topic four on the day. Olympics were supposed to have been taking place this summer in Tokyo. Of course, that's been postponed till at least 2021. Uh, I think January is what they're aiming for. I could be wrong on that, but it won't be this year. And that's sad. I, I love the Olympics. I'm a big Winter Olympics guy. I'm an even bigger Summer Olympics guy. And I really, really, really love the Olympics. Well, never you fear. Although these Olympics, in my opinion, should never have taken place in the first place in that spot, the 2016 Rio de Janeiro Summer Olympics are going to be re-aired on NBCSN uh, throughout the next two weeks. NBCSN is planning to rebroadcast highlights from, in fact, the last three Summer Olympics, Rio in 2016, London in 2012, and Beijing in 2008. Obviously, there's going to be a big focus on swimming, gymnastics, and track and field, but you're going to have basketball that will date back to 1988 that will also air as well. So if you're starving for Olympic sports, you'll see plenty of Michael Phelps, Simone Biles, Usain Bolt, Katie Ledecky, Misty May Trainer, Kerry Walsh Jennings. You'll see all the swimming the, the the basketball, the gymnastics, the volleyball. You'll see all the highlights from the past three Olympics, even dipping back into 1988 a little bit for some classic Olympic basketball. So that's good news. Uh, it's not the same, but it will at least give us somewhat of an Olympic fix. And I don't think there's ever been a better Olympics moment, maybe outside of, of course, the uh, miracle on ice, than the relay race in 2008 against France when, of course, Michael Phelps, Garrett Weber-Gale, Colin Jones, and, of course, Jason Lezak beat out the, the, the French team by, what, 0.1 seconds? It was incredible. So hopefully they'll get to they'll replay that over the next two weeks as well. So some Summer Olympics fix in a summer without the Olympics here because of COVID-19. All right, that brings us halfway through the top 10 now. That means it's time for topic number five, random topic of the day. And this one's not so random uh, to, to me. It's going to be maybe random to some of you. But if you don't know who Ryan Innes is, he's a local singer-songwriter performer here in Utah. Uh, he's, I think he's from Arizona originally. He went to school here, college here, uh, a couple places, including at BYU. And he was on The, the Voice a few years back. And made it pretty far, and he's gone about, and he's he's made it a full go, a full time gig to be a singer songwriter, and he's trying to make it in the world. He's back on TV now, in this show called Songland, where these incredible gifted artists and songwriters come together, and they they bring an original song to the table, and each episode has a different uh, set of professional songwriters or performers that listens to their song goes back, adjusts some things, tweaks some things, rewrites parts of it, and then gifts it back to that songwriter to use as their own if they so choose. Well, Ryan was on this week's episode of Songland, and he got some help from Lady Antebellum, who is, a, a of course, just a platinum-selling uh, country band, country artist, a, a trio that are just ter- terrific music. They make great music. And Ryan has an incredible voice and a unique taste and flavor to his style. I'm a big fan of his. I met him when I uh, had the privilege to participate in the 25th anniversary of the Sandlot reunion out at the original Sandlot in Glendale. He sang uh, a couple songs that night, including the National Anthem and God Bless America. 
and we've just kept in touch since. He was kind enough one time to bring hand deliver a vinyl edition of his latest record uh, at the time. That was a few years ago to my house. He's just a great guy, and he's got a couple out records that have come out since then. But he was on Songland. I thought it'd be fun to play you. Here's originally the, the song that he wrote all on his own. It's a terrific song called Long Way Home. You can check it out. Ryan Innes, I-N-N-E-S, Ryan, R-Y-A-N for Ryan, I-N-N-E-S for Innes. Ryan Innes, Long Way Home. Here's his original song. Sometimes the heart takes the long way home. Oh, yeah. But it's so okay. You can't go your own way. Just take your time. There's no need to hurry. Just make it yours. Wholehearted. Sometimes dreams get lost. Sometimes love takes time, but the greatest things are worth standing in line. But it's never a race as long as you get where you're going. Sometimes the heart needs to take the long way home. Beautiful, just soulful and, and touching, amazing work. Then Lady Antebellum got a hold of it and helped him on Songland, and here's how they tweaked it and made it sound with their own flavoring. Sometimes dreams get lost. Yeah. Sometimes love takes time. But the greatest things are worth standing in it's never a race As long as you get where you're going Sometimes the heart It takes a long way home Sometimes it goes astray yeah. Chasing clouds The bumps in the road Are just moments of doubt Beginners' mistakes There's no way of Sometimes the heart, it takes a long way home. Life's a melody, you hold the mirror singing. Every day I'm learning more, just how it goes. Let it go, let it roam, even when I'm slow. Yeah, it's just the I don't know which one I like better. I liked Ryan's original slower uh, version. I really like the, and you can hear the Lady Antebellum flavor to that, can't you? That little uh, remix, that rewrite they did with him there. So just congrats to Ryan for all the success he's enjoying. He, he absolutely deserves 
to to be up there among those like Aunt Lady Antebellum on the record sales. So make sure you check him out. Ryan Innes, I N N E S. And uh, good job, man. Congrats. All right, back to the wheel now. We've got story six, seven, eight, nine, and ten still to go. Spin it. All right, the NHL is among those sports that is on hiatus right now because of coronavirus, and they've been, like baseball and NBA and NFL, they've been thinking about ways that they're going to get the season to continue or finish once this pandemic allows it. It's been 32 days now, I think 33 today, since the NHL paused their 2019-20 campaign, uh, and now they're, they're talking about all these kinds of ways that the games can resume one of those being, if they have a playoffs, where and how would those playoffs take place? And what would likely happen is there would be, quote-unquote, bubble cities where these NHL playoff series would take place. And there's been cities standing up and volunteering saying, we would love to be a satellite host city for your NHL playoffs. As far as I know, Salt Lake City is not among those cities as of yet. But as a big-time hockey fan and a huge playoff hockey fan, I would die, die, die to see... Well, maybe that's not the best. I would freak out happily if the NHL playoffs were being played right here in my hometown, right here in Salt Lake City. It would just make me so happy to, to be able to attend an NHL playoff game. I've never had the privilege. It would be terrific. Now, the problem with that dream is if it's in a host city, a bubble city, it likely means there's not going to be anyone in attendance. So it's it's kind of a bittersweet thing because it's like, yay, we might have NHL in our town. Of course, not Salt Lake. It's not on the list, but other, these other towns. Yeah, NHL might be coming. Oh, but I can't go and watch it. So there you go. But interesting nonetheless. I think that Salt Lake would be a great NHL city someday. Uh, I think that they always do that Salt Lake shootout here every year. The Grizzlies always have great turnout. I think there is a burgeoning, budding hockey fandom and following here in Utah and Salt Lake that I think the youth here would support it for generations to come. And I would be so excited to see the NHL land in Salt Lake City, not even just on a, per, on a, a temporary basis like this would be, but in a permanent basis I think would be terrific as well. All right, spin that wheel. Former World Series MVP, Steve Pierce. Yeah, that guy. A lot of people don't remember Steve Pierce because he was a nobody, really, with the Boston Red Sox, who ended up having such a, a good run to uh, in, in the World Series in 2018 that he was named the MVP. Well, he's announced that he's going to retire. That's news after 13 years in the, in the major leagues. Steve Pierce saying he's retiring. But here's what he said. Of course, the 2018 Red Sox have been accused of cheating, much like the Houston Astros were confirmed to have been cheating in 2017. Pierce said uh, about that, it's a joke to us. When it came out, we were all kind of joking about it. We just want it to pass. We want it fair and square. Whatever they accused us of, we were all kind of like, I can't believe this is even an issue. Once that report comes out, we're all going to be free. He continued, you don't like it, especially that we were the champs and individually I have that award. And we have this floating over our head when we just had such an unbelievable season. We had the perfect team and great camaraderie with everybody and then this gets thrown out there. We're just like, what the heck? Close quote. 
well, Steve Pierce, you better hope that there's some kind of cold, hard, fast proof that you guys did not cheat in the least because you did. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else to tell you. Now the the he can rest his head easy that no one's taking his MVP away. No one's taking those World Series rings away because Rob Manfred's a coward and won't do that. But they should. They shouldn't get it if they did cheat. I feel they probably did. Who knows? But Steve Pierce. MVP of the 2018 World Series, where, of course, you remember the Red Sox defeated the Dodgers, I think, in five games. It was They, they just mopped the, the field with the, the L.A. Dodgers, but he's retiring after 13 years in the majors. The Masters was supposed to have taken place last weekend. Tiger Woods, the defending champion, I think it, he's got five Masters championships at this point. Well... Because he didn't, the Masters did not take place, there's been all kinds of stuff coming out to keep golf in the, in the forefront, and the Masters especially. And the Masters' official Twitter account sent out some behind-the-scenes, never-before-shared photographs of the champion's locker room after Tiger Woods won it last year. Of course, it, what you see in these pictures is Tiger Woods in this lavish, incredible uh, locker room with a, a professional tailor measuring and, and sewing together his green jacket. You've got then, of course, just these lavish setups. His, his nameplate that has the 97010205 and about to be etched onto there, of course, the 2019 champion uh, Tiger Woods nameplate. You've also got a napkin taped to Tiger Woods' locker hanging down an Augusta National Golf Club napkin. Of course, you know the logo, the the cutout of America with the golf uh, flag coming up out of Georgia, Augusta, Georgia there. And written in Sharpie on the napkin says, Tiger, so impressive. What a great tournament you played. So very happy for you, Phil. Phil Mickelson with a nice little nod to, to Tiger Woods. Competitors, friends, no. But competitors, yes, and respect for each other, absolutely. And, you know, this is something that people don't like about Phil Mickelson. He seems to always find his way into the spotlight to make it about him. I don't know if he's being genuine with this or not. I frankly don't care. It's still cool to see this kind of thing. And it's really cool to get a peek inside that champion's locker room there at Augusta. So the Masters didn't take place, but they're making do with some social media postings anyway. All right, down to the final two stories, and the wheel spins, and we get Jonah Williams. If you don't know who Jonah Williams is, you should. Weber State defensive lineman Jonah Williams, who, as a six foot, 195 pound high school junior, was signed to play at Weber State, has since exploded into a six foot five monster of a man, 281 pounds. And his NFL agent, Evan Brennan, a local guy who uh, I've had the pleasure of having on my show in the past, he, he posted these numbers about his private pro day. Best private pro day, by the way, by a defensive lineman this year. It was done under the uh, uh, watchful eye of Strohformance in Provo. Uh, and of course, here's the numbers that he posted. 6'5", 281, a 35-inch vertical, a 9-foot-7-inch broad jump, 
ran a 469 and 467 laser timed 40, a 421 and 414 shuttle, a 67 and 671 three cone, and he got up 30 reps of 225 pounds. Jonah Williams is going to make himself some NFL money with those type of numbers. Is it going to be a draft pick? I think it should be. I think it will be. If it's not, he'll get a free agent deal and some NFL team out there that's done their homework and hasn't overlooked an FCS guy like Jonah Williams is going to have themselves a real, real fine piece and player for the future and current day of their NFL franchise. So Jonah Williams, Weber State, really cool to see him exploding onto the professional rankings. Had a pretty good career at Weber State. I think he's going to be even better at the next level. And that brings us, of course, just one story left. No need to spin the wheel. Brings us to the story of NASCAR driver Kyle Larson. I'm actually kind of glad this is the last story because it makes me sick. Makes me just angry and mad that this is still happening in our day and age. The right thing has taken place here since, but it should never happen in the first place. NASCAR had one of those virtual races again over the weekend where guys get in the simulator rigs and race against each other on tracks and they stream it online or even on TV. And Kyle Larson dropped a, a, a racial slur. He dropped uh, a, the, the biggest of racial, racial slurs. Someone, he couldn't, he, someone said they couldn't hear him or he asked if, can you hear me? They didn't respond. He then dropped the biggest of racial slurs you can think of. And, and you can't. You can't come back from that, and you, you shouldn't. And, and what has happened since – and look, uh, long, 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 long ago, I had a coworker who would use that uh, phrase, and it, every time it just – I would get after him all the time for it. Stop it. It's not funny. It's not cute. It's not cool. Just stop it. It's something – it's a word that needs to be absolutely never, ever uttered. Uh, and uh, and should never be part of anyone's vocabulary. This this history has such an this country has such an ugly, horrific history with that word. It just needs to never, ever, ever, ever come up again. And uh, Kyle Larson said it. He's been fired from his racing crew. All of his endorsements have backed off. They they've pulled their money from him, and he's got a long road back. He 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 probably will be back. And, uh, you know, I would like to see, I, I wonder if how genuine and sincere his apology is because it's only an apology because people caught him, because people heard him. Why are you saying that in the first place? That, that should never, ever, ever be coming out of anybody's mouth uh, or, or entering anyone's mind. It should never. It just period should not be a thing. And, yeah, he's apologized. He's issued a statement. He'll probably be back. I don't know that I am okay with him ever getting back because why and then but that's a little hypocritical of me because I'm not perfect. Now when it comes to this, I'm no I'm not doing this, but I've got stuff in my life that I'm not perfect with. And I've had to ask people's forgiveness in the past and I and hopefully I, I've received that and I, I know I have. So, but this is just so this is because he was caught national cameras were running and, and the world is seeing him. He's losing all this money. Then he apologizes. It should never have happened in the first place. So it will take me a long time to, to forgive him uh, it, but it, it, or to not be angry anymore. In fact, I'll never not be angry about it. If I ever do forgive him, we'll see. Uh, but I think that it, it's just such an ugly, ugly word and thought that it needs to be eradicated from everyone's language. Just should never come out. And I'm glad to see he lost his job. 
Uh, I'm sorry that he's without work, but I'm not sorry because he did this. And and I think he's sorry because he got caught. But I don't know him. I don't know him personally. Who knows? But bottom line is it should never be said. They're sending the strong message. Where they're not sending a strong message is they called it uh, an insensitive. They said that he used an insensitive term. No, he used a racist term. It should never. It's it's the worst of all terms. Just call it what it is. So Kyle Larson, not a good not a good thing, guy. Not 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 good. All right, that's it for a top ten Tuesday here on the EP podcast. Hope you had a little fun. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Please share and like the post. Send it to your friends and family, your neighbors, your enemies. I don't care. Send it to everybody. Trying to build this thing up. I'll be here each and every day, part of the Zone Sports Network and the the, the collection of podcasts there, 1280zone.com, or you can now officially find us anywhere that you find your podcasts. Just search the EP podcast or search Austin Horton podcast. It'll pop up. Share it, like it. I appreciate it. All right, of course, coming up next, laugh of the day. Looking forward to a Wednesday edition. And until then, be good to each other. Time now for the laugh of the day. (laughs) People on planes are the worst. People on planes, they complain about their whole flight experience. That was the worst day of my life. I had to sit on the runway for 40 minutes. What happened then? Did you fly through the air like a bird? Incredibly? Did you soar into the clouds impossibly? Did you partake in the miracle of human flight and then land softly on giant tires that you couldn't even conceive how they put air in them? I had to pay for my sandwich. You're flying! You're sitting in a chair in the sky. There's always delays. That's what everybody complains about. Really? Delays. Air travel's too slow. New York to California in six hours. That used to take 30 years to do that. And a bunch of you would die on the way there. And the other passengers would just bury you and put a stick there with your hat on it and keep walking. And all the old people would die. You'd be a whole different group of people by the time you got to California. Now you watch an Adam Sandler movie and you're there. You know what's amazing to me? You can name your kid anything you want. Isn't that incredible? There are no laws. There should be a couple of laws. None. You can literally name your kid anything. You can name your kid a name with no vowels if you want, like Pinsendleton. <laughs> Just 40 Fs, that's his name. Some people name their kids a word like sunshine or battery or whatever. I like to name my kid a whole phrase, you know, something like ladies and gentlemen. That would be a cool name for a kid. This is my son, ladies and gentlemen. Then when he gets out of hand, I get to go, ladies and gentlemen, please! I was reading about Bill Gates, owner of Microsoft. He has $85 billion. Here's a guy who could lose $80 billion and still have $5 billion. You know what you could do with $85 billion? You could, you could buy every baseball team and make them all wear dresses for like $3 billion and still have $82 billion. 